On the book of Philippians, well, it's a three-week series really focusing on Philippians chapter 4 specifically, uh, three messages from the book of Philippians. I wasn't supposed to be speaking this morning. We had uh, another friend of ours who was uh, uh, supposed to be speaking, James Edwards. He's been here before. Some of you may know him, youth, a young adults pastor from Oxford Falls. Uh, he texted me during the week to say that uh, his whole family's got gastro, his wife for two kids. He said, I'm just... Just getting you ready. If I uh, if I get it, um, I may not be able to come. So I said, okay. So I sort of thought I'd get something together. Anyway, he texted me last night at like nine o'clock. It's it's arrived. <laughs> I, I thought he'd had a baby. <laughs> I said, I don't believe you. I reckon you've gone away from the long weekend. I want photographic evidence. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> Our thoughts are with uh, James today. It's nothing like gastro, is there? Oh, it's a blessing. <laughs> Out with the old, <laughs> in with the new. <laughs> That's right. So uh, Philippians, uh, today's first part of the series, um, we're going to talk about joy or rejoicing. Everyone say joy. Philippians 3.1 says this, Furthermore, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same thing to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. It is no trouble for me to write the same thing about rejoicing. Over a hundred times in the Bible, we are told to rejoice. Paul wrote to the Roman church and he told them to rejoice. He wrote to the Corinthian church. He told them to rejoice. He wrote to the Thessalonians. He told them to rejoice. And he wrote to the Philippians in almost every letter that he wrote. One of his key messages was to rejoice in the Lord, to rejoice in whatever circumstances we find our, ourselves. The fact that Paul was in prison when he wrote these letters... He was in prison, and he's writing to people in churches saying, hey, get happy. Hey, rejoice. Be full of joy. Uh, it shows us that joy is not just the, the fruit of the circumstances we find ourselves in. Many people are dictated to in their emotions and, and how they feel by what's going on in their world at that particular time but Paul's saying no 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 you have the ability through Christ to rejoice to choose to have joy no matter what you're going through right now you know when I was preparing this message I was thinking you know we talk about joy and if I was thinking of of the emotion of joy or the feeling of joy uh, as a person like personified I was thinking, well, you know, if Joy would probably be a nice person, a friendly person, good to be around, probably a bit of a joker, uh, but probably kind of weak. Uh, the kid who was probably bullied at school by the bigger kids, when you think of joy. Because that's what happens. Our joy gets bullied around by the bigger kids in the playground of our life. Fear comes in and begins to bully our joy. Doubt, unbelief come in, begin to bully the joy that we have. So our joy is weak. 
intimidated by what's going on. Is your joy like that? When circumstances come in, they're a bit adverse. When something happens that you weren't expecting, all of a sudden, you know, joy disappears like a morning mist. Never to be returned until circumstances turn around. That's not the joy that Paul is talking about here, that he's telling each and every one of the churches, and particularly Philippians here, when he says, rejoice in the Lord. And again I say, rejoice. The kind of joy that Paul's referring to here is a joy that's not dependent upon the circumstances because Paul was in prison. If you know the history, if you read the book of Acts, you know the history of him being in that prison in the Philippians. You know that he was arrested, he was beaten, he was beaten with rods, uh, he was put in jail, uh, many other things. You can read the story, I haven't got time to go into it at all. And then he writes this letter and says, oh, be happy. What? Are you kidding me? So what's he talking about? We, we, need to, we, we need to investigate this a bit further. If he can say, hey, I want you to be happy, and he's just gone through that, then obviously it's not dependent upon what we're, what's going on in our immediate circumstances right now. Joy is not happiness. The joy that the Bible talks about is not a, a feeling of happiness. It's something that resides deep within, the Bible says, that transcends all understanding. It's something that you feel on the inside that is not dependent upon what's going on on the outside. So when the Bible talks about joy in our life, it describes it as hard-wearing, tough, durable, consistent. Joy is not the weakling standing in the corner being bullied by the other people. Christian joy is buff. <laughs> Christian joy is strong. Christian joy is resilient. Christian joy has strength to endure. So it's tough joy, resilient joy, joy that will not be intimidated by circumstances and situations that come upon the horizon of our life. So who are these bullies? I want to look at two bullies that come into the playground of your life to threaten, intimidate and push around your joy. I had one fight when I was at school. I picked a fight. Friends of mine told me to pick on this kid. We're in year six, five, I think, or four. Four, I think it was. Four or five. I was about 10, probably 11. It's the only fight I ever had. They said, oh, you need to go get that guy. He's saying things about you. I'm like, where is he? <laughs> you could take him. You could take him. I think we're in year six. And uh, I'm like, right, I'm going to get him. So I went up to him. In lunchtime, I said, after school, out, out in the, out in the um, alley, you and me, I'm taking you down. <laughs> so anyway, we go there after school. There's about 20 kids standing around waiting for a fight. This guy's standing there. They're going, come on, come on. Who knows half the things you do, you do just because other people tell you to do it. I didn't really want to, but I couldn't back down now. <laughs> Pride was at stake. So anyway, I'm like, come on. So I start pushing, I start pushing him. Anyway, I didn't realize that he was, he was training for karate. <laughs> and jujitsu. <laughs> Never pick on people. So I'm pushing him around. Next thing he gets me a headlock, throws me on the ground. 
<laughs> in about five seconds, I'm on the ground and he's choking me out. <laughs> and I'm going, stop, stop, stop. Anyway, let me go and everyone just disseminates in disgust. <laughs> and I learned a, a very valuable lesson that day. Never pick on people. I never had another fight until I got married. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> it was way before we got married. No, I'm <laughs> now I get picked on. <laughs> oh, anyway. Um, who are these bullies? I want to look at two today. Doubt and unbelief. Cousins. They come together. They pick it, they're like, they're like um, tag team. Uh, doubt and unbelief. You know, when God brought Israel, if you know the story of the Old Testament, if you know the story of, of uh, Exodus, when God brought Israel out of bondage and out of slavery, across the Red Sea, destroyed the Israel army, you probably know the story, the waters parted, they're coming out, they get to the other side, the, the Egyptians chase them, the waters come down, they all drown. When they got to the other side and they've been set free and they're, and they're living out of captivity, they were ecstatic. They were absolutely ecstatic. They were finally free. All their lives they'd been slaves. All their lives they'd lived in captivity. All their lives they'd been under the bondage and the control of the Egyptian leaders and armies. Uh, their parents, their parents, parents, their parents, 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 parents. For 400 years they had been slaves living in captivity, living in bondage, desiring, talking about, praying about, thinking about nothing else but being set free. They finally, after 400 years, are set free. And if you read the story in Exodus, they sang, they danced, they partayed right across the wilderness, celebrating good times. They were so happy that finally their desire had come to pass. They were full of joy. You read in a, a song that they wrote in Exodus chapter two, five, uh, 15. You won't read the whole thing, but just two lines. In this song that they wrote to celebrate uh, this great achievement that God had done and that they just walked into. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God and I will praise Him. My Father's God and I will exalt Him. And on and on and on and on they went for various verses, verses, so happy because they'd been set free. They finally got their own business. Finally, they got the promotion that they wanted. Finally, they got the breakthrough that they'd been believing for. Finally, they got to own their own home. Finally, they got married. Finally, they had their first child. Finally, that child had got out of school. Finally, they got their first job. Finally, some great achievement, some great thing in their life had come to pass. And they were so excited that finally the thing that they dreamed about, the thing they desired, the thing they were wanting had come to pass in their lives. And they were so excited. Have you ever had one of those moments where something you really wanted, really desired, were really going after, finally came to pass? It's a great feeling, isn't it? Oh, it's absolutely amazing. And they were ecstatic for three days. <laughs> three days they were ecstatic. And then it says in verse 23 of the same chapter, then they came to Mara. So for three days they'd been partying and all of a sudden then they came to Mara. But they couldn't drink, the, they could not drink its water because they were bitter. 
Therefore, they named, Mar- they named it Marah, which means bitter. The people grew discontented and grumbled at Moses, saying, what are we going to drink? Isn't it amazing that in three days, they'd gone from being ecstatic, celebrating, dancing, boogieing, moonwalking across the desert, <laughs> and all of a sudden, something came out of left field. All of a sudden, they're in a situation where there was no water to drink, and they're in a desert, and all of a sudden, excitement's gone. The music's gone. <laughs> Ever been in a party where the police come and all the music shuts down? <laughs> Remember that? Last Saturday night at our place? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> no but if, <laughs> yeah, you're there and the police come and then everything gets shut down and everyone's moving all of a sudden. Oh, and everyone just walks out and goes home. That's what it was like because they were so excited something great had happened and one little thing, one little thing now was not working out and every, everything was gone. The party was over. The joy was gone. The excitement was gone. The enthusiasm was gone. Now they're discontented. They're grumbling at Moses and going, what are we going to drink now? And we look at them and we go, how could you do that? You know what? We do exactly the same thing. We're excited one day because something great happened. And two days later, something bad happens. And oh, the whole world's about to end. What are we going to drink? They cry out to Moses, come on, what are you doing? And then Moses prays and and they throw a stick in the water and the water, a miracle happens and the water becomes fresh water and they all start drinking and they're happy again. Verse 25, you can read that. So they're happy for two weeks. 400 years they've been in captivity and three, in three days they lost their joy and then they got it back because circumstances got good again. Then for two weeks they're happy and then circumstances changed again and now they're angry. Uh, verse six, chapter 16, so one chapter later in verse chapter 3, the whole congregation of the Israelites grew discontented and murmured and rebelled this time. Not only are they no longer happy, no longer are they no longer just disgruntled. Now they're like, right, we're out of here. We're not going with you anymore. We're not going this way anymore. This is a disaster. I'm taking things into my own hands. They rebelled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the Israelites said to them, would that, would that we had died by the hands of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat and ate bread until we were full, For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill us. This entire assembly with hunger. So God's done this great miracle for them. And they're out in this place. And now all of a sudden, because circumstances have got a bit tough, because in the past, everything was just provided for them. Now they've taken a step out. God's trying to stretch them. He's trying to lift their capacity. He's trying to get them to believe God, to walk by faith. And they're like, oh, this is horrible. You know, we believe, we believe that we can start our own business or we can get out of the, get out from under this horrible boss that we've got. Then we get out, we start our own business and business isn't working. Then we're saying to God, God, why did you do this to me? No. God is stretching us. God is building capacity. God is taking us into the future that he's destined for us. And the only way we're going to be able to survive in our future and be the person God's called us to be is if we grow from where we are right now. 
if we become bigger people, big people, who are not bullied around by their joy because of a changing climate of circumstances around us. So they begin to cry out and they start rebelling. Uh, you know, our greatest joys and triumphs will soon be overshadowed if we simply live by our senses and by our emotions from day to day. doesn't matter how great a thing happens one day, if we're living by our emotions, if we're just living by how we feel, it won't be long before you're depressed, it won't be long before you're feeling disappointed, it won't be long before you're angry, it won't be long before you're disgruntled because something else has changed. That's not the way God chooses and wants us to live. Paul says to the, for the Philippian church and all the other churches who, I might add, you know, were facing severe persecution at the time. It wasn't like being in church in Australia. If you went to church, there was a good chance that you were beaten. There was a good chance that you had your possessions taken from you. There was a good, possess, there was a good chance that a lot of adverse things would happen to you if you became a Christian. Paul's going, hey, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. <clears throat> because joy is not an emotion. Joy is a decision to take a hold of what God has placed within you through Jesus Christ. Life is full of challenges. Life has mountaintops, praise the Lord, but it also has valleys, praise the Lord. It's a lot easier to praise the Lord on the mountaintop, isn't it, than when you're in the valley. <coughs> um, True joy in all circumstances only comes through faith. It's not that you're rejoicing in the fact that you're going through a hard time. That's, that's not what it is. It's, it's rejoicing in the fact that God is still there. He's still on the throne and that he is going to bring you through this situation and these circumstances right now. He is going to bring you through. That's what we're rejoicing in. We're rejoicing in the fact that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. We're rejoicing in the fact that we... Are gonna, that all the promises of God are yes in Christ Jesus and he's going to bring us out the other side. Psalm 23 says, Though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Go through, it says. Go through. There will be times like that in life, but we will come out the other side. <clears throat> As a, you know, We've been running this church for 18 years now and uh, over those years, seen many people go through hard times. Personally, we've been through quite a number of hard times, and uh, that's life. Life is not just tiptoeing through the tulips all the way to heaven. <laughs> I'd love it to be that way. God doesn't promise a life like that. What he does say is that I will be with you, and you are going to get through every single challenge that comes your way. Um. I remember the, recession, uh, the, the GFC in 2008, a number of people in our churches lost their homes. That's not a pleasant experience. But I remember helping one particular family move the boxes out of their home, which they just lost, to go and rent another house, home. And the wife, I've walked in to pick up another box, and the wife is singing, shout to the Lord. Shout to the Lord, all the earth. Let us sing. How, do, how, how, how is that possible? Because joy is not an emotion. Joy is a spirit. 
a spirit you choose to accept, a spirit you choose to walk in, a spirit you choose to embrace, no matter what is going on in your life at, that to- at whatever time. And over the years, many families and many individuals have been through very tough and challenging circumstances. And it's just you know, an absolute uh, privilege as a pastor to see people Continue to love God, continue to turn up to church, continue to be generous, continue to have a smile on their face. You'd never know that they've gone through a situation because they're not relying on circumstances to tell them how they should feel that day. That doesn't mean that you're going, woo, yeah, this is amazing. It's not about just jumping around. Joy is deep within the inside where you can smile no matter what's going on in your life because you have gratitude. It doesn't matter what's happening in your world right now, there are things to be thankful for. Everybody has things to thank God for. And so choosing to do that is what Paul is saying to the Philippian church and what he's saying to us today. You make a decision to have joy, to rejoice in the Lord. Um, So, unbelief and doubt. Circumstances change and all of a sudden, doubt and unbelief come and say, God's not going to come through for you. God's not going to be there in your time of need. God's not going to answer your prayers. And so they start to intimidate your joy. They start to intimidate your trust. They start to intimidate your life and how you live and how you walk out each day. Fear and uh, uh, doubt and unbelief are bullies. But you've got a joy on the inside when you have Christ, which can overcome every bully that comes into, your, into the schoolyard of your life and start to threaten you and start to point the finger and stand up to you and go, God's not going to come through for you. You're not going to make it through this. This is the end for you. Bullies. Um, you know, I could probably hand the microphone around to most people here and they could tell a story about a challenging, difficult circumstance in their life. <coughs> um, I mean, our third child was born with a severe physical disability when he was born. One of the worst things that anyone can have as a parent. Fortunately, it was a physical thing and it took a number of years to, to fix and, and operations and everything else and now he's running around. Uh, but when you get told... By when you look at an ultrasound that there's something severely wrong with your child, there's nothing worse than that. But I didn't throw up the church and go, oh, well, that's the end of God. I can't do that anymore. Um, you, you choose to rejoice. You choose to follow God. We don't follow God because everything's great right now. He makes plenty of promises in the Scriptures that he will be there and he's going to come through and he's going to do this for you. He's going to bring favour, grace and blessing. And we believe all that, but it's in the context of a war. It's in the context of a fight. It's in the context of growing as individuals and becoming big people. As a pastor, I want you to be a big person. I want a church full of big people. They're not intimidated by circumstances, by challenges, by difficulties that come because that's life. Bullies come in. Bullies look for weak people. Bullies look for the weakest child and come to intimidate. 
but I want you to have a joy and a resilience on the inside through the knowledge of God that it doesn't matter what happens, I can rejoice in the Lord. It doesn't matter what happens, I can be full, I can be buoyant, I can have a smile on my face. You know what? God is good. In Psalm 118, some of you may have read it, some of you may not have, but it was a psalm written by David. Um, and um, it says in, in Ezra that they used to read this psalm in difficult moments of the history of Israel. And uh, many scholars believe that it was something that David himself had instituted at important moments in the history of Israel in the midst of battles and challenges and situations that were adverse. And one of the lines of Psalm 18, 118 says this, and you may have heard of it, this is the day that the Lord has made. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. That's what they would say. It's not a fair-weathered emotion that appears only during good times. Rejoice in the Lord. So doubt and unbelief. The other bully that comes is fear. Fear comes like a schoolyard bully. Whenever situations don't look optimistic, they don't look encouraging, they don't look good. Who notices? Fear is the first one to turn up. <gasps> What's going to happen? If anyone's ever faced bankruptcy, which we have, fear is your constant companion. Fear. But you choose to rejoice. You choose to believe God. You choose to put a smile on your face and you go, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. All things are working together for good. Life has a way, as the, some of my unsaved friends would say, business people, life has a way of sometimes serving up to you a something sandwich. Has anyone ever heard of that? It starts with S and it ends with T and it's not spearmint. <laughs> Life has a way of dealing up to you a spearmint sandwich. <laughs> That's life. Doesn't taste good. <laughs> it's not pleasant. But you make a decision that, you know what, I'm going to rejoice in God. There's many people who are far worse off than me. And it's not hard to find them. There's plenty of people that living in countries that are far worse than the country that I'm in right now. There's always someone that's worse off. There's always someone that's doing it tougher. So we choose not to be sour. We choose not to be d despondent. We choose not to be that person that no one wants to be around. Because every time you ask them, how are you going? You're going to get a diatribe of... <laughs> Um, and oftentimes, because of something that's happened in the past, uh, they, it affects the rest of their life. Can never be happy, can never be joyful because of this situation that happened. There's a great book that I'm reading at the moment. And if this is something you've been dealing with, not being able to forgive somebody, not being able to let go of something from the past, not being a, something that, that happened so, sometimes years ago, 
but affects every single day of your life. There's a book called Why Forgive, and it's an awesome book. I can't remember who the, who the author is right now, but um, powerful, powerful thing. Forgiveness, just like joy, are not based on how we feel. They are decisions that we make empowered by the Holy Spirit to let things go and make decisions about our life. That's what the Bible talks about when it's saying the old is gone and the new has come and we're living in the joy of the Lord. Nehemiah, if you know the book of Nehemiah, in Nehemiah 8.10, when they were under very, very adverse conditions and they were being threatened and they were about to be invaded at that time, you imagine that you're living in a small they're all small communities at that time and a large army was coming towards them and was going to potentially wipe them out can you imagine how threatening that would be can you imagine the fear and nehemiah gets up and he says to them the joy of the lord is your strength you know why bullies come and try and steal your joy because joy the joy of the lord is your strength that's where your strength comes from that's where your ability to get up again in the morning and keep going forward comes from. To not give up, to not let go, to keep pushing forward, to keep believing, to keep pressing, to keep worshipping comes from the strength on the inside. The joy of the Lord is your strength. If He can let, get you to let go of joy, you'll let go of everything. Because now life is unbearable. Now I can't keep going forward. I don't have hope. I don't have faith. I have no joy. It's the strength of the Lord. Um, all throughout the Scriptures, we're told to rejoice in the Lord. When times are tough, when they're not going as planned, you've got to make a decision. I'm going to rejoice in God. I'm not rejoicing that that's happening, but I'm rejoicing that God is working all things out. I'm rejoicing that He has blessed me in many other ways. And... That's what we do. Sometimes it's simply just having a smile on your face is a victory, isn't it? Just to get up and smile. And you've got to go to the mirror and go. Because <laughs> it's that tough. That's a victory to go, you know what? And the battle that goes on in your head and everything's going on. There's a fight going on, but you've got to make a decision. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to believe the promises of God. I'm, I've got the Word of God, and God will never let me go. He is going to bring me out the other side. He is going to fill it, fulfill His promises. This is going to pass. I am going to come out the other side. The sun is going to shine again. The sun is going to shine again. That's a word for someone here today. You may have been in the midnight hour in regards to your circumstances, but I'm telling you this morning, the sun is going to shine again for you. In Jesus' name. 1 Peter, I'll finish with this. 1 Peter 1.8, scripture in, not written by Paul, but written by another apostle, Peter. 1 Peter 1.8, another letter to a church, and he says this, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. It's inexpressible. People go, how can you be smiling considering what you're going through? It's inexpressible. It, it, it makes no sense. But it's, it's, on the, it's something on the inside that comes when Christ fills our life. 
something we can tap into, something we can hold on to. It's inexpressible because it makes no sense to people who simply live by external stimuli. Because I trust in God, because God is faithful, because God is good, because God will never leave me. You believe in Him and are filled with an expressible joy. A joy that can't be explained. And finally, when you make a choice, the choice to rejoice, when you make a decision, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to smile. I make a decision, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to rejoice. The Bible calls it a sacrifice of praise. A sacrifice of praise. We don't just praise God when everything's, well, we do. It's easy to bounce around the church and bounce around the home and when everything's going great and rejoice in the Lord and praise the Lord and hallelujah. Woo! <laughs> Our good's God. But a sacrifice of praise, the Bible talks of, when things aren't going so well, when you are going through a tough time, when circumstances are challenging in your business, Circumstances are challenging in your marriage, in your relationships. Circumstances are tough in some area of your life where you've been believing for something and it hasn't come off or you wanted some promotion and you didn't get it or something, something comes out of left field and you go, you know what? I'm going to rejoice. And the Lord says, I will honour a sacrifice of praise. A sacrifice of praise. That's something that opens the door for God to move in your life. When you go, God, I trust you. Not because everything's awesome right now. I'm believing it. It is going to be. But I'm not worshipping you here today because everything's wonderful. I'm worshipping you here today because you are God and I love you and I trust in you. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You and I are finite. We don't know everything. We don't know the future, but God does. He does. That's why He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. He will work it out. He will bring you through. And you will get to the other side and you'll be able to lift your hands and say, how good is God? How good is God? Let's close our eyes here today. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your promises. I thank you that you are good. You are so good. You're worthy of our praise. And Lord, we worship you here today. Some of us, because great things are happening right now, we're experiencing breakthrough and we're experiencing good times and blessing and that is awesome and we thank you for that. But Lord, there are some people here today that are worshipping you with a sacrifice of praise. And they're worshipping in faith and they're worshipping in trust and they're worshipping, believing, Lord, that all things are going to work together for good. And Father, I pray for each and every one of those people here today. I lift them up before you. Lord, I thank you that your promises and your word are true. They're so true. 
and you are good. You are good. You are good. Thank you, Jesus. Just as we finish up here today.